In this episode, I'm going to explain why you should never cut calories if you're trying to lose weight and keep it off long term. If you want to crash diet to get your summer body ready and then pig out during the holidays and call it your winter coat, maybe this podcast isn't for you. However, if you're tired of that cycle and want to learn the holistic truth about what cutting calories out of your diet does to your body, I suggest you listen to this podcast or at least listen until you hear about the seven checkpoints for losing weight. TLG MMA podcast, where we talk about truth, love, growth, mindfulness, movement, art, and much, much more. Welcome to another episode of TLG MMA podcast, episode number 24, with me, Tyson Griffin, and JT. What's up, JT? How you doing this morning? I'm uh, a little groggy, but waking up slowly. Uh, I'm a little... I shouldn't say sleepy. I got a lot of good sleep actually. But I did I've been up I've been up for a while, even though it's nine AM. I've been up for a while. I've been up since like four. What you been doing since four? Um drinking water, rolling out, stretching, um, preparing for the podcast. You know, just being me. <laughs> uh, but I got to bed early, like nine o'clock last night, so nine to four, that's pretty good sleep. I mean, it was like 4.30, maybe 5. But either way, that's good sleep. Yeah, 10, 11, 12, 1, 2, 3. Yeah, 5, 6 hours. Good for me. All right. Um, today, we're going to talk about why you should never cut calories. And you need to stop counting calories if you're trying to lose weight. And honestly, I've never counted calories I've never counted calories for cutting weight for fighting for losing weight I've never used uh, cutting calories for any of the clients I work with I helped Daniel Cormier win his uh, light heavyweight belt I was working with him for nutrition and stuff and work with a lot of other people and um, we're gonna I'm gonna share from the book how to eat move and be healthy by Paul check who's the founder of the Institute that I study under check Institute um, this is the second edition, so if you want more information on this type of stuff, and this is the uh, prerequisite, basically the foundation information and um, nutrition and lifestyle for the Czech Institute. So again, How to Eat, Move, and Be Healthy by Paul Czech, and I'm just going to read right from the book in chapter 13 right here. It says, never cut calories in big bold letters. Allow me to clearly state my position before we go much further. Calorie-restricted diets don't work if you want to permanently lose weight. If you want to lose weight, you're not alone, according to Dr. Jop Seidel of the International Obesity Task Force. Incidence of obesity is on the rise throughout the world, making it one of the fastest developing public health concerns. The World Health Organization has described obesity as a worldwide epidemic. It's estimated that nearly 250 million people worldwide are obese, which is about 7% of the adult population. And I'm going to be honest, if I was uh, like, 
you know, when I was younger, I was probably considered like childhood obese, like at least I would be today. Um, so yeah, I was I was really heavy and overweight when I was younger. If anyone's watched Mighty Ducks, I was like a real life Goldberg. So I can uh, speak from firsthand experience that I was part of that population, and now I'm not, thanks to you know learning more information like this and just keep keep expanding my awareness around the foods that I put in my body and how they affect me. I'm back to the book. Obesity is particularly prevalent in the U.S. where over one-third of the adult population is obese and one in seven children and adolescents are obese. There you go. An incredible 60% of the American population is overweight. Though obesity rates in the other countries are lower than the U.S., the rate of increase in the UK and several other countries signals an alarming trend with serious consequences. You've probably heard you've probably tried some sort of diet, most likely a calorie restricting plan. There are currently about two thousand diet books to choose from, each claiming miraculous results. Why then is obesity an epidemic? Is it because people have no self control and simply eat too much? Not likely. It isn't how much you eat, it's what you eat and when you eat. Here's the good news. You don't have to starve or punish yourself with hours in the gym to lose weight. However, you do need to learn how to eat right in order to bring your body back into balance so that it will function at an optimal level. The beginning of dieting in America. And this to me was actually crazy like information it makes a lot of sense when you think about it because i actually always wondered um you know where dieting came from and uh this right here explains it um the beginning of dieting in america food shortages were a concern during world war one the depression and then during world war ii as part of the u.s world war one strategy the government created the food administration the fa um, I think that's probably FDA now, anyway. Uh, the FAA told Americans to cut down on consumption of flour, meat, butter, and sugar, claiming these items were needed to feed the soldiers. As a means of saving the meat, butter, wheat, and sugar for the men, women were taught to cut back. And this is also why I was like, man, why was it mostly men are not worried about diets? Well, there explains it right there why women are mostly worried about diets. And it's very true. Because um, most of the men were off, off at war, you know. Anyway, um, back to the book. Uh, in order to satisfy hunger, women learned to fill up on grains, legumes, and vegetables. Not surprisingly, by replacing vital nutrients as meat, butter, with carbohydrates, which rapidly convert to sugar and stored as fat in the body, many women became bigger in spite of so-called food shortages. During the Roaring Twenties, food was once again plentiful. Although men generally rebounded from their war efforts by eating their way into corpulence, the dainty proportions and avoidance of meat and butter continued by to be ladylike. Not surprisingly, the slogan, you can never be too rich or too thin, is a product of this era. When the portly look once associated with health in the 19th century fell by the wayside, 
dieting became a man's business too. Interesting. During the Depression, the country ex experienced a surplus of wheat. The government began purchasing the excess support to, to support the farming industry. When reports of malnutrition streamed in from across the country, bread lines sprang up, infuriating farmers who feared that people would learn to live on government handouts. In the meantime, the government continued to push surplus. The surplus grain and meats from farmers to compensate for the public diminished purchasing power, which was at an all-time low. While the U.S. was knee-deep in bread and wheat, newspapers and magazines commonly featured pictures of food either being stored or destroyed alongside people waiting in bread lines. Although people were supposedly starving and meat was considered a rare commodity, the government's farm subsidies produced a stockpile of meat so much that at one time the government slaughtered 6 million pigs and dumped them into the Mississippi River, buried them or carted them to the dumps to prevent them from coming to market. This manipulation of food was driven by farmers, lobbyists, farming lobbyists who wanted to protect farmers from dropping food prices in which in their minds was sure to happen if Uncle Sam started giving away meat. That's crazy, right? Yeah, I've never heard of that before. Yeah, well, that's, that's the type of stuff that corporations do to control the prices so they can keep making more money. Because if they drop the price or give it away for free, then where's their money? And that's crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, these are just like, this little excerpt in the, in the book, um... Anyway, paradoxically, while hunger and manipulation were at their highest in the history of the U.S., women, particularly college girls who had learned to eat like ladies during World War I, were now determined to become thin and attempted one, uh, attempted one crash diet after another. Some amusing names such, of such diets were the Hollywood 18-Day Diet, the, May, uh, the Mayo Diet, and the United Fruit Company's reducing diet. By 1933, physicians were tasked with getting the ladies to eat and the men to eat less. With some of the wiser independent health experts of the day indicting, or, yeah, indicting overconsumption of bread and sugar as the source of gluttony, General Mills took a stand to protect their cash cow. General Mills, the food processing company that founded funded the first nutrition schools in the U.S., created the infamous Betty Crocker. This fictional personality would make her way into almost every magazine, newspaper, and media source of the day. Espousing the benefit of sugar and white bread, Welch's, along with other juice manufacturers, jumped on the media bandwagon, claiming that their products yielded quick energy yet were never fattening. Welch's went so far to say that its predigested grape sugar actually burned up ugly fat. By the time the U.S. entered World War II, the American food processing industry was well underway with 98% of all bread consuming in the country being white bread, void of nutritional value. 
The per capita consumption of white flour had risen to an astounding 200 pounds per year. Certainly, it's no wonder that 40 to 50% of recruits in the U.S. and U.K. were considered unfit for military service, commonly due to malnutrition and inadequate physical readiness. This led to the government dictum for millers to enrich flour and with vitamins in hopes of pepping up the soldiers. Not surprisingly, Mayo Clinic physician Russell Wildler calculated that most of the calories in American diet were coming from refined sugars and processed hydrogenated fats, which are void of vitamins. During World War II, as the Depression, there was a perceived shortage of meat. Yet American cattle uh, ranges were home to more cattle than ever. Again, the government destroyed meat in meat it could not store. In 1942, the average civilian male ate 125 pounds of meat, while the average soldier was allotted 360 pounds annually. Coerced by magazines and trendsetters, women were to eat dainty portions to be ladylike. The women were to save meat, the manly food, for men working in and for the war effort. The fear of food shortages was a blessing in disguise for the food processing industries, which successfully marketed canned and packaged foods for, to women. Due to the extended shelf life of these packaged foods, women were shopping as little as one to two times a month instead of several times a week, as they had previously done. Further, the meatless consciousness opened the door to soy-based meat substitutes and a host of other foods substituted that were far cheaper than actual whole foods, while allowing longer shelf life and higher profits. For a detailed history of eating in America, see Harvey Levenstein's books, Paradox of Plenty and Revolution at the Table. What diets do to your body? This right here is the main reason why you shouldn't cut calories. Calorie-restricting diets don't work. In the long run, They because they disrupt important hormones and enzymes. Skipping just one meal or eating too many carbohydrates for your primal pattern type can result in changes that make it more difficult for the body to lose fat. Initially, the response... To a skip meal is an elevation of stress hormones. The body then responds to the stress signals by releasing stored glycogen from the liver in the blood to raise your blood sugar. After all, your body thinks you're in a life-threatening situation. Repeated bouts of stress results in a yo-yoing between high and low blood sugar, creating yet another major stress on the body. An overstressed body with no with not function at will not function. At optimal level. For many, this is not the ideal state for losing weight. If you eat too many carbohydrates for your body, rather, if you eat too many carbohydrates, your body must release insulin to lower blood sugar levels. Skipping many or not eating enough of the right foods also keeps insulin levels high because the body thinks you're in famine. And it's forced to store energy whenever it's supplied. If you're active, insulin will store sugar in the muscles. But if your muscles are not being used, or if the muscle cells are full, full, uh, your extra calories will wind up in the fat cells. Exercising muscles keeps them sensitive to insulin, since an 
Active muscle wants to take in sugar for, for energy. Inactive muscles become insulin resistant and shuttle more and more calories to fat cells. A diet calling for high consumption of carbohydrates beyond ideal for your primal pattern diet type will also make you progressively in insulin resistant. Accumulating fat in the middle of your body is an indication that you become insulin resistant. So if you have belly fat and you got that pot belly and you can't get rid of it, well then maybe you become insulin resistant. The medical name for the this is Syndrome X. Again, accumulating unwanted fat around your midsection and Syndrome X are usually the results of dieting, yo-yo dieting, consuming too many carbohydrates for your primal pattern diet, diet type, and lack of exercise. Once the fat cell in your midsections are full, the fat accumulation extends to other areas of your body and you become progressively more obese. Because muscles and fat cells become progressively less sensitive to insulin, blood sugar levels rise higher, forcing the pancreas to overwork in an attempt to lower blood sugar levels. Eventually, you'll become a type 2 diabetic. Anytime you miss meal, miss a meal, yes, just one meal, your body increases the release of lipogenic fat-storing enzymes. When these lipogenic enzymes increase, the enzyme you really need, the lipolytic or fat-burning enzymes, are decreased. This effect is much more pronounced in women than in men. And in the book, they've got a little uh, picture diagram on how how it kind of works between men and females and how it's a little more extreme. Anyway, the entire process of dieting, constantly being in fight-or-flight state with elevated sympathetic nervous system activity and eating incorrectly will leave you tired. Thanks to junk food manufacturers and media, most people don't understand that they're gaining weight because they're eating incorrectly, not because they're eating too much. Improper eating habits always result in the inability to replace the vital nutrients that keep body systems running correctly and provide additional energy to spend living, not just surviving. Inevitably, people use tea, coffee, soda, sweets, and other pick-me-up drinks to compensate for the energy deficit. You must understand that any such stimulant only activates the sympathetic nervous system, releases more stress hormones, and eventually requires more and more of the stimulant to get the desired effect. And as me and JT were talking last week about his coffee habit, right? That's why he was like, it doesn't even work drinking more coffee anymore. Mm-hmm. He's like, we've got, like, I broke through my own caffeine challenges and ca- coffee addiction. And like, yeah, at some point you just literally have to drink it to stay baseline because you get a headache if you don't consume it. You know, you're like, fuck, I got to drink some coffee. It's going gonna, it's gonna to get me a little bit of a boost, but it's not going to do what it used to. No. All right. Anyway, after a while, adrenal glands become exhausted, resulting in a number of symptoms all of which are part of the chronic fatigue symptom profile. If you've lost weight on a diet, you're more than likely 
you more than likely lost significant amounts of muscle. Remember, muscle burn energy. Muscles burn energy. If you decrease muscle mass, your metabolic rate will be lower. You won't burn as much energy. This increases your chances of gaining back your, the weight you lost. Then the yo-yo diet syndrome begins, which is even more stressful than a one-time diet. Each time you start and stop a diet, you significantly increase the difficulty of restoring your physiologic, physiology to normal. And honestly, I used to, like, growing up, like I said, I was pretty overweight. And when I was fighting in the UFC, like, I was known for cutting and crash dieting and losing hella weight and then getting hella big. And, like, yeah, like... I'm not gonna lie, like, part of me, like, thought it was kind of cool because I was the guy that could, like, lose weight whenever I wanted or whatever, right? But, again, it wasn't a healthy way to be. And, uh, yeah, like, after reading this book, I'm like, oh, that's probably not healthy. I guess I, I probably threw my hormones, like, out of whack so freaking bad. Anyway, back to the I book. I hope Patty Pimblett's listening. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But, again, you know, it's mental health stuff, really, is what it is. We're overeating food to try to to replace a void of something else. So that's just the truth, you know. Um, when we have the right type of connections in our life, then we don't need as much, you know, food or alcohol or substances or whatever it may be, you know. So back to the book. Don't worry about counting calories. Today, magazine, sports stores, specialty shops offer a wide variety of calorie-counting gadgets. You can strap one to your wrist, ankle, go for a walk, a bike ride, or pound the Stairmaster for 30 minutes, and you decide how big of a piece of pie you deserve for dessert. Well, there are some serious flaws in this approach. When trying to determine how many calories to consume each day, many fail to calculate how many calories it takes to meet the demands of just being alive. A whopping 50 to 70 of your calories you consume or use to generate the heat and life energy to keep your cells turned on. Not cleaning the house or shooting a few hoops just alive. This is your resting metabolic heart rate, or RMR. Another 5 to 15 percent of your caloric intake is indeed or is needed for digestion and elimination. You also need to consider your daily activities and how your individual body functions. This is referred to as the X factor. X factor, a variable that can either increase or decrease daily energy expenditure, how many calories you burn, based on several genetic, hormonal, and environmental factors. Fidgeting would fall into this X factor category. Right? Some people are sitting there moving a lot and burning more calories. Some people are sitting still. Like That's just the truth. Anyway, back to the book. We don't all live, lead the same life, nor do we interpret stressors of the environment in the same way. If you eat according to your primal pattern type, you'll convert food into energy more efficiently. This means you'll expend or dissipate more of the energy you take on board, leaving less to store as fat. If you follow fad diets or eat incorrectly for your primal pattern diet type, your blood sugar balance is disrupted. Energy production is inefficient and your cells must slow down because your meal is causing stress in your body instead of aiding in smooth operations. 
There will also be more waste material left behind from eating incorrectly, which is often toxic to the body and may get stored in the fat cells to protect the liver while it catches up. Each of us responds to stressors differently. The X factor for determining caloric expenses includes such stressors as job and relationship challenges and responding to weather changes. We also display various levels of spontaneous activity such as fidgeting. There are a number of factors that must be considered just to meet the requirements of running your body and keep it, keeping it healthy. Be aware that any time you try to run your body without adequate fuel, the right mix of fuel, or on poor quality fuel, you drastically increase your chances of slowing your metabolism and becoming fat. You are when you eat. Few people understand the link between when they eat and their health, let alone their body shape. Starting your day off with small meal, coffee and toast, or a Pop-Tart, followed by a snack for lunch, only to come home intensely hungry and pig out will make your body look like your meal proportions. As described in the chapters 11 and 12, cortisol is an active hormone. Cortisol levels are highest between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m., which means your metabolism stimulates and your cells are anxious for you to eat after fasted all night. For most, particularly women, wanting to restore to elevate their wanting to restore or elevate their meta- metabolic rate, breakfast should be the largest meal of the day, compromising as much as 25% of your daily calories. If you're a carb type, you may do well on smaller breakfasts making the only exception to the rule. Carb type or not, all breakfast meals must contain proteins, carbohydrates, and fat in the correct ratio for your primal pattern type. Eating a full breakfast will provide you with both staying power and energy. In my experience, people who eat a proper breakfast feel better and are more likely to be physically active during the day. Eating snacks between meals will constantly reassure your body that energy and nutrition are on board, which often results in elevated metabolism. The body's metabolism is also elevated by eating. Simply because the process of digestion, utilization, and elimination of food is at work for the body. When you eat regularly and snack as needed, your metabolic rate will achieve its genetic set point and you'll achieve your genetic shape. If you don't like the way you look but are not overweight, consider consulting a check practitioner to coach you to forward your shaping a new you. Are you hungry all the time? If you find yourself constantly craving and have gained weight from eating too much, you may not be hungry. You may be thirsty. And I actually noticed this myself. This is 100% true. If you really pay attention. In, the, in, this, uh, in his book, Your Body's Many Cries for Water, Dr. Batmagelid, 
Oh, man, how do you pronounce this? I bet you this, I feel like this is a maybe Indian. How do you say that? Oh, man. Are you going to, are you, my eyes, do you man. want me to, do you want me to butcher oh, it so you don't di- disrespect your people? <laughs> no, just, um, um, let me try to pronounce this guy's name. Oh, shit, I lost the page. What happened? Sorry about that. Um, all right. In his excellent book, Your Body's Many Cries for Water, Dr. Batman Gellidge, oh man, I hope I'm not hope I'm not pronouncing that too bad. Anyway, explains that hunger pangs are frequently a symptom of dehydration. I found this to be true when my clients and my own experience. If I feel hungry long before I would normally eat, I drink a couple cups of water and hunger pangs usually subside. Until you get in the habit of drinking water regularly throughout the day, it's easy to get dehydrated without realizing it. Especially now while it's hot as shit, man. Like it's, I don't know where you're living these days right now, but it's very warm in uh, California. Especially in Hercules here and in the mountains. It's hot. Anyway, back to the book. Drinking water also gives you energy. Water is a key catalyst in digestion, enzymatic action, and energy. When you drink adequately for your body needs, you're less likely to consume soda and pick-me-up foods that generally throw your blood sugar levels off and cause stress on the body. And... Again, I've noticed this to be 100% true for myself. Um, a couple things. Like, if you are if you find yourself, like, you know, going through, like, a whole bag of chips, a whole freaking bowl of popcorn, like, eating a ton of carbohydrates, I've noticed when I'm dehydrated, I crave carbohydrates more than I'll crave proteins or fat. So, like, if I keep having hella carb cravings, maybe you're dehydrated, you know what I mean? Big thing. And another thing, too, that... Um, it's not really going gone over in this book, but in general, I learned that we absorb a lot of our hydration through our large intestine. So we need to have food that has hydration, right? So fruits that are super hydrating, like right now, you know, melons are in season. So I've been eating lots of melons and papaya and, um, you know, and then, you know, vegetables or whatever, like super important for them not to be overcooked where they're so dehydrated and cooked down where there's nothing left in them, right? So making sure you have good whole foods is going to keep you hydrated as well as drinking the right amount of water, which is half your body weight in ounces per day. So if you weigh 100 pounds, then you know 50 ounces a day. You weigh 200 pounds, 100 ounces a day, so on. All right, now we finally made it to checkpoints for losing weight. Seven checkpoints for losing weight. Number one, eat right for your primal pattern diet type and never diet. Number two, eat regularly to satisfy hunger. Consume slightly smaller main meals and include snacks to elevate your metabolic rate. Number three, eat high quality food. Number four, drink plenty of water. Ideally, you should drink half your body weight in ounces of water per day. Well, there you go. I just said that. Um... Number five, move your body. If you don't like a structured exercise program, simply remain active. Park your car at the far end of the parking lot. Take the stairs after a walk. 
I'm sorry, take the stairs and walk as often as you can. Go to sleep by 10.30 p.m. I'm sorry, number six. Go to sleep by 10.30 p.m. Disrupting your sleep and wake cycles equally equals more stress on your body and increases your chance of gaining weight because of hormonal imbalances. And number seven, most important one, burn your diet books. <laughs> Literally, that's what's in there. So there goes some information on how to eat, move, and be healthy from Paul Check on why you should never cut your calories and need to stop counting your calories if you want to be healthy and lose weight long term. And to me, it just frees up your mind, you know, no level of stress. Um, you got any questions, JT, on that stuff that I shared? One thing that you said was uh, muscles burn energy. And so does that mean that maybe lifting weights is a good way to lose weight? Hell yeah. The bigger and stronger you are, the more muscle you have, the leaner ye shall be because you will always be burning energy. And that's why, unfortunately, though, a lot of people think they can get away with eating really bad, right? That dirty bulk. Yeah, so that dirty bulk will give you diabetes. <laughs> I'm just being honest, yeah, no, I hear right? You. So again, eating improperly because you want to become bigger, stronger, faster, you know, out of natural balance, then you might get some diseases, and that's just the truth. Um so yeah, that's why a lot of those people, as professional strongmen or bodybuilders, don't make it very long if they're on that dirty bulk. So get on that clean bulk. <laughs> Any other questions? No. Do you eat breakfast? Do you eat breakfast today? I got a question Dude, for you. Do you eat breakfast today? <laughs> I skipped breakfast today. Yeah, I can I tell. Coffee too. I can tell you skipped it all. Did you get water at least? Yeah, yeah. The first thing all right, I did there you when go. I got your water. Breakfast. I always got to drink a cup of water. Nothing wrong with a little fasted podcast. This is the first time we switched up a schedule. JT's just got to, you know, get used to waking up a little earlier, getting that food in a little earlier. Mm -hmm. And so, like, as much as I don't like waking up hella early like I did, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention I made food, you know? Like, um, as much as I don't like getting up early sometimes, um, you got lots of time. So I got no excuses for not making good food and having, you know, good food in me and being ready to do this work. So... Yeah, I had some good food. I had some heart, some beef heart this morning. Now hearing you say that even skipping one meal can throw your body off balance, it's like, oh, mm -hmm. fuck, I can't believe I just heard that. It's all right, we'll get home and have a meal. Yeah. All right, well, that's a good way to wrap this up. And uh, you guys want to support this podcast, please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. Tell a friend. Anyone you think you could benefit from this information, you can reach out to me for your prime pattern diet type assessment if you want for just 25 bucks. I'll hook you up with your prime pattern diet type so you can know how to eat right for your body, the right amount of percentage of carbohydrates, proteins, and fats that you need to be consuming. And if you want more about that, you can listen to the last podcast, number 23. And um, yeah. And lastly then if, if you want to support my building of TLG MA Recovery Ranch you can always support that at givesendgo.com forward slash TLG MMA and I uh, appreciate all you guys for listening to the podcast and if you want to check out some videos of the ranch on my YouTube channel 
there are some videos out there of some of the work I've been doing. And yeah, that's about it. Peace, love, happy healing.